Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, you can. Greeny back and better than ever presented by Progressive Insurance. Busy, busy, busy. Lots of great stuff today. Tons of football opinions we've already thrown out. A lot of stuff on last night's game. Russell Wilson looks awful. Brady shouldn't have been at the wedding on Friday night. I'm just catching you up on what you've missed. We did a green light. Yankees Guardians today. The rain out yesterday, while perhaps not well handled, was predictable. And it is an advantage to the Yankees. National League Series starts tonight, right? The NLCS starts tonight. That's right. In And that game is? San Diego. In San Diego. Hembo's fills. Hembo is in his glory. My gosh. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. I've known Hembo. How long have I known you? What year did you start on Mike and Mike? 2015, I believe. So I've known you seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And you, have, you are my right hand. I couldn't do anything without you. But I will say this. When your teams are good, you're annoying. Like, different people are very different ways. Hembo gets very smug. And so I just want everyone to hear this story, okay? Chris Carlin came in here yesterday. My thanks to him. We were doing this first take get up thing. So if you were listening yesterday, I did about half the show yesterday with Chris and Chris. But so Carlin was sitting in this seat yesterday. And he comes in. Bubba and Nuno, you guys have to hear this. So Carlin comes in. And he sees Hembo, and it's the first time he has seen Hembo since the birth of Hembo's twins. Hembo has identical twin girls, one named after me, a wonderful honor that I, I, I cherish. Mm. So he's got little Michelle and the other one. And this is the first time that Carlin has seen Hembo, and he walks over and he says, congratulations. And what did you say? Dude, I can't believe the Eagles are still undefeated. <laughs> that was his response. So he oh responded <laughs> to congratulations on the birth of his twins by referencing the Eagles. His second thought would have been the Phillies. That's right. So at best, Nuno, Michelle and the other one were the third thing that came to mind when Hembo was offered congratulations by a friend yesterday. What does this say? About I, Hembo. I would think, actually, it would be the fourth thing, because you guys have the book coming out uh, early next year. April. So, in April. So, I think it would probably be the fourth thing. Maybe be like, fifth, or, because or, you or, got Harden and Embiid starting tonight. Yeah. Or, well, yes. Trust the process. You know, I think, but going back to what you said about the uh, Hembo and Philly teams be, and him being annoying, yeah. it's a Philly trait, because there's too many people that work here in this in radio that are from Philly they're all annoying right now. It's just, it's a disaster. See, there are different kinds of fans when your team is good. I just spent three minutes, not everyone hears every part of the show, depending on what part of the country you're in. I just spent three minutes expressing my shock and candidly terror at the fact that the new ESPN NFL rankings are out and the Jets are ninth. I'm much happier if no one else notices that we're good. Like, the Jets are good. We're good. I like it when everyone says we're bad. I want the Jets to be underdogs. I don't want anyone paying attention to how good we suddenly are. Because that feels, it makes it real. It makes it real in ways that I'm not interested in having made real. I, I, I want this to continue to be an underground success story because I feel like it just, it, it can't, I, I'm conditioned to believe it can't be this good. So when my team is good, I get very quiet. Campbell gets very loud. Mm. I have not heard about anything. I mean, he's pitching Eagle stats every single day. Oh, the Phillies, you were at the game on Friday. And then Chris Carlin offers congratulations on your twins. And the first thing that you think of are, the A, 
the Eagles, and then B, the Phillies. This is embarrassing. As a way to illustrate my smugness, <laughs> nice you, you texted me after the Phillies won on Saturday and said, Phillies, there's going to be no living with you. Right. Do you want to read what I sent back? Uh, let me go grab because that. Because I, I don't know that there is a better way to demonstrate the kind of person, the kind of fan, the kind of personality I have, than rather than just to say thank you. Let me I see. could have just said, like, thanks, bud. Having fun. Uh, I couldn't just accept. Where are we here? Saturday. So when did I? You texted me at Saturday at 530. Saturday at 5. Oh, here it is. I wrote back. Oh, oh, oh Baba. <laughs> I forgot that he wrote this. <laughs> Oh, Bubba, are you ready for this? Oh, God. I wrote, Phillies, there's, with an exclamation point, there's going to be no living with you. That is a text that I sent Saturday at 529. One minute later, I got a response. How'd the Mets do today? I didn't see. <laughs> no reference of the Phillies. No, no acknowledgement of the fact that his team had just won. His entire response was, wow. how'd the Mets do today? I didn't see. Could you be more obnoxious than that? Like, it's impossible. No. It would be, if you tried, if you set, if you brainstormed, if we put together a focus group, if we got a group together, I'd put together a committee to look into this. And Nuno, if you have the time, I'd like you to chair this committee. And we could put it together and try and figure out how a person could respond in a more obnoxious manner to a congratulatory text about his team winning a playoff series than that. Could you possibly do it? Uh, yes, and I and I thought about this because this is the way my brain works, and I'm so petrified of this. Phillies make the World Series. They oh, no. beat the Astros. Oh, God, no. I'm going to have to call out. If the if the Phillies beat the Astros in a World work. Series, do you know how he – after coming off of being destroyed by pretty much everyone with his – the Yankees should want to play the Astros, the Yankees should want to play the Astros, do you know how smug he's going to be if the, if his team beats the Astros? I have an even worse scenario. What is that? If the Phillies win the World Series – and the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Okay, I mean, I, I'm done. I quit working for sure. <laughs> that might be the end of everything. Like, the hashtag crew may have to be no more. Here's what will have to happen. I consider Hembo to be indispensable to my career, and yet I might have to have him fired. <laughs> I, I, I'm not 100% sure that I can allow him to continue to work here if that actually happens. Have you heard the uh, No One Likes Us Philly song, by the way? No. It's very short. It. I'll sing it very quickly. Right. Do you mind? Yeah. No one likes us, no one likes us, no one likes us, we don't care. We're from Philly, mm-mm, Philly. No one likes us, we don't care. All day long on Saturday, down at the stadium. All day long. Okay. No one likes us, we don't care. Speaking right. of that, I have a question for Hembo here, because Noon and I have just been thinking about this, and this goes back way back to the Mike and Mike days. Okay. You know, people may remember this from way back in the Mike and Mike days when Hembo completely lost his mind when Jose Bautista hit one of the most famous postseason home runs because of his celebration. Do you remember that, Greeny? Oh, I remember it vividly. And, he hit a bat flip, yep. and that, that begat. And that like was a, basically the worst thing ever in correct. baseball. Correct. And Hembo wanted him stricken from the sport. That's he right. wanted someone to throw at his head. Mm-hmm. He wanted all of that. Where mm-hmm. I know where you're leading I'm here, Bubba, and I I'm like it. I'm a little one, concerned here because I'm not seeing the same thing when Reese Hoskins did it. In fact, I see on your Twitter multiple images about Hoskins and Hoskins tweets and 
Why shouldn't he be bean? Shouldn't he be? At, why are you celebrating Reese Hoskins? Why is didn't that? Didn't he show up the other team? Didn't wasn't that wasn't that just a it, petulant child? Wasn't mm. that embarrassing what Reese Hoskins did? It is, that it was is, pathetic what he did. You are allowed to acknowledge my hypocrisy. I was definitely caught up in the moment. Do I think Reese Hoskins deserved to be beaned next season for the bet? But spike or whatever, I do. He spiked a bat. I do. He did a Gronk spike. For those who don't know what we're talking about, Jose Bautista flipped a bat. Reese Hoskins spiked a bat like a player had just scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. By the way, speaking of players who should be getting beaned, Josh Naylor of the Guardian. You just changed the subject. We are sitting here talking about your team. You no, we're not talking about your team. I love what he did. Baseball yeah, to be needs clear, me too. Baseball I love it too. needs more people spiking bats and Absolutely. doing little he's a baby things oh, running gosh. around the bases. It's fun. It's sports. We're having fun. It's that's supposed to be fun. I, and and but, but whatever. But you change the subject. The subject is on your hypocrisy. You do not have the freedom. You could sing badly all you want. Very non-creative songs, if I might. Um, I'm not a big fan of a song that just repeats the same line over and over again. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, you cannot change the subject. Was or was not what Reese Hoskins did in that big inning that basically clinched a mm-hmm. series for your beloved Phillies, was that or was that not Bush? It was Bush. Was it something that you look down on and should be frowned upon and he should be thrown at? If he weren't on my favorite team, yes. <laughs> it's hard to remove the two. You know that. No, But I wouldn't try to remove it. I love it. Sauce Gardner walked out of Lambeau Field wearing a cheese head. <laughs> and what's his name? Uh, Brees Hall did a Lambeau leap. That's true. And I loved it. Some might say, that's Bush League. I loved it. Do it, for crying out loud. It's all good. Because you know what? It's usually the other guy doing it to you. Aaron Rodgers is the guy who stands there yelling at the Chicago fans, I own you, I've owned you my whole life. That's sports. That's what this is supposed to be about. It's all good. It's only you who try to suck the fun and life out of it all the time. And Bubba and and Nuno are accurately pointing out your hypocrisy. Yeah, I I understand. And when the Yankees are eliminated today and the Mets have been on ice for a couple weeks, I understand the all the animosity directed my way. The Phillies are going to keep winning, and you guys are just going to have to put up with me. You do a brilliant job of changing the topic. I will tell you that. You do an excellent job of that. This is Greening. We're live from the Seaport District at Pier 17. We're brought to you by Chase. A reminder, you can watch us live in the ESPN app. Just open the app. Hit watch on the bottom tab. You'll be able to watch the show live. I have this green list on the start of the NBA season I want to get to. We have an unbelievable story about baseball and the bathroom that you don't want to miss. All that and a whole lot more, so stay close by. It's Greening on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. All kinds of stuff going on here. We've called out Hembo in just a beautiful way. (laughs) Hembo's got a good bathroom story that I really do like. So we'll get to all of that in just a minute. But I've been holding on to my green list, Bubba. I mean, uh, yeah, Bubba and Nuno. Why don't we do that here? I put together a green list tonight. The NBA season starts tomorrow night. We have our first games on ESPN. We'll be here for NBA Countdown tomorrow night. We are back together as a group. It's me and Wilbon and Stephen A. and Jalen, and it'll be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to that. Lakers Warriors actually is on ESPN Radio tonight. So with that thought in mind, let me do a green list. The list is what determines who matters in this business the green list and today's green list is uh, going to be today's progressive nba snapshot save when you bundle motorcycle rv and boat insurance visit progressive.com this is my list of the top five stories in the nba as their season begins tonight number five number five to me is zion um i don't know how closely people are paying attention to what they're doing in new orleans because that's just a franchise with essentially no history and not a lot of uh, attention and they started so badly last year that people I think didn't even really pay much attention to the run they made and they made the play-in tournament and they got out of the play-in tournament and they gave Phoenix a bit of a run for their money after the play-in tournament so that was a a very good year they had last year and they did all of it without Zion Williamson Brandon Ingram who plays for the Pelicans and you remember him from probably best remembered from Duke I'm not sure the average basketball fan is paying attention to what he's done. If Brandon Ingram were doing what he's doing right now for the Celtics or the Knicks or the Lakers or the Bulls or the Sixers, he would be a megastar. Brandon Ingram is a great player. C.J. McCollum is a legit veteran pro and makes up a real big three. We talk about are there any big threes? This could be one. Zion, Ingram, and C.J. McCollum has, is the makings of a legit big three. If Zion plays the full season, I'm telling you right now, the Pelicans, are for anyone who's not paying attention, are going to be great. I mean, top four in the West in a loaded Western Conference. That's how good I think they're going to be. Whether they're ready to make a playoff run against, you know, the likes of the Kawhis and the Stephs and people like that of the world, that remains to be seen. But they're going to vault past a whole bunch of teams. If Zion is healthy for him, but that's the big if. Number four. Now, Zion, once upon a time, was the most coveted prospect in the NBA. One of the most coveted in a long time. But right now, for those of you who are not paying attention to this, there is a French kid who's 18 years old named Victor Wembenyama, who is, in the words of Adrian Wojnarowski, the greatest prospect in NBA history, inclusive of Zion, of LeBron, of Luel Sindor. He's a seven foot five small forward. He's um, imagine a player who has KD's skill set, but is five inches taller. 
Now, I'm always terrified with the tall guys. I don't like talk. I don't like forecasting injury for people because it, it feels like you're sort of speaking something into existence you don't want to see. I would be very afraid of the feet and the legs and all that kind of stuff because the super tall guys, that's always or frequently has been a problem. But this kid, the amount of tanking that may go on for Victor Wembanyama is just something you better be prepared for. You better be prepared to see teams trading off pieces at the trade deadline. They'll fight it as best they can. Silver and all of them, they will try as hard as they can to keep teams from doing it, but they won't be able to. They won't be able to stop it completely. The amount of tanking for Wembenyama that will be out there is is going to be noticeable to even casual NBA fans. This kid is that kind of special. Greeny with you, the green list today. Top five NBA storylines. Number three. And number three is the Lakers because they're the Lakers. Look, I don't really have very high expectations. I really don't. I am not going to say the words if Anthony Davis plays a full season healthy. I'm just not going to say it. It doesn't ever happen. So why would we say it? The one time he got to the finish line healthy was when the season was interrupted by COVID and they went into a bubble and everyone had all this time to rest and he got healthy and they won the championship. And I take nothing away from it. I I said at the time, do not discount the bubble title. The bubble title is a testament to leadership and all that other stuff. So that championship counts. But it isn't. It doesn't relate to what the reality of a usual NBA season is. All this idea that Russell Westbrook is somehow going to be real happy and a great team guy coming off the bench. I believe that when I see it. LeBron is still great, and LeBron is still LeBron. But I'm not. I do not have high expectations for the Lakers. They're by no means the best team that plays in their own building. I don't think they're. I don't think realistically that they're going to get. Into the playoffs, which is to say, I think they will be in the play-in. I think if you start making a list of teams in the West that are going to be better than them, because I think it is completely unrealistic to expect Anthony Davis to play the season fully. So you start making a list, and I'm just going to do this off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm going to leave people out. The Clippers are going to be better than them. The Warriors are going to be better than them. The Mavericks are going to be better than them. The Nuggets are going to be better than them. Memphis is better than them. New Orleans is better than them. I'm already at six. I haven't even started thinking. Is Minnesota going to be better than them? They have the two big guys now. I, they might be good. I'm sure there's people I'm forgetting because I didn't even really think about it. Who Did I leave anybody out? Oh, I didn't even mention Phoenix. Games last year? Correct. So I think the Lakers are going to be 7, 8, 9 in the West. Maybe they get out of the play-in, but I don't, I don't think that they're a legitimate contender. That's one of the two glamour teams. Number two. And the other, of course, is the Nets. I go back and forth. I mean, we've never seen them together. There are a lot of reasonable, like logical reasons to assume this could go very well. Ben Simmons needs to prove that he's in it. Ben Simmons needs to play well. And it does feel like playing with those two guys that his skill set fits in nicely to this, like like a hand in a glove. They, they don't need him to do the things he doesn't do well. There's a logical reason to think Kyrie Irving should have the best year of his life. This is a guy who didn't get a $250 million contract and is clearly a good enough player to get one. But with him, who knows where that is on his list of priorities. And KD is KD. I mean, I think he'll show up and play hard every day because that's what he does, and he's an all-time great. But we can't ignore the fact that he demanded a trade and then demanded the coach and the GM be fired. So the idea that they're going to overcome all of that insanity, I don't even know what it is, all of that dysfunction 
and be great, it's just impossible to picture, right? Does, any, does anyone in this conversation, Hembo, Nuno, Bubba, anyone think they're going to be great? I think you have this right. They are just too combustible to be great. Nuno? I do believe that they're going to be great. I just, for whatever reason, I think that they will make this work uh, for the most part this year. If they do that, look, the talent says it, and Michael Wilbon yelled at me and Stephen A. on TV last week. Don't get infatuated with the talent. Don't get infatuated with the talent. And Michael knows more basketball history than anyone knows anything. And he says, the number of teams out there that we people have fallen in love with the talent and didn't accomplish anything is an endless list. And I, I, I think that's sunk in. Like, I can't get past just how dysfunctional it is. I just can't. I can't trust them. I can't trust them. So there we go. And then number one. Number one. Number one is the Warriors. I mean, they're the defending champs. And what will what will the Draymond thing mean to all of it? Like, you've all seen it. Draymond punching Jordan Poole. And then they have since re- signed Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins to these big extensions. The future of the Warriors long term does not involve Draymond Green. Now, he's an indispensable part of the past. That is a big three that has been there. It's Steph, and it's Clay and it's Dre. And they don't win those titles without him. And he is deserving of all of the respect they will show him that comes with that. But if he's not a part of the future, and there are lingering issues from that incident, then how do they handle it? I don't know. But they're the opposite of the Nets. I have so much faith in their leadership and Steve Kerr and his ability to deal with it and Steph and his ability to deal with it that I give them the benefit of the doubt. But it's something you have to watch. So if you flip the coaches, if you made Steve Nash the coach of the Warriors, and then you made Steve Kerr the coach of the Nets, do you think those things would turn out differently, 180 Uh, degrees? I think that it's – I would have less faith in the Warriors, but I think – I still think they would get it okay because of Steph. The Nets, I don't think has anything to do with the coach. Hmm. I don't – I think Steve Nash is – I don't mean this disrespectfully. He's a great player, and from what I can tell, he seems like a great guy. I think Steve Nash is like 10th on the list of most important factors with the Nets this year. I really do. Those three guys, Steve Nash cannot make Kyrie Irving care about something he doesn't care about or care differently. And that's the real X factor in all this. Is Kyrie in it? Does he want it the way the greats want it? If he does, he's one of them. And they have the best big three in the NBA if he is that. So we'll see. That's my green list. Top five stories in the NBA as their season gets underway right now. It's Zion. It's the tanking for the kid Wembenyama. It's the Lakers. It's the Nets. And it's what impact does Draymond have on the Warriors. Coming up next, we've got a great story about baseball and the bathroom. Plus, I'll explain how baseball has a bigger problem than the weather. Greeny, the podcast. There's an interesting juxtaposition to be made here. I saw that the guys on KJM were talking about it this morning. And Nuno, I will ask it to you. Who's going to get their team together between the two legendary quarterbacks? Will it be Tom Brady? Will it be Aaron Rodgers? Will it be either? Will it be neither? Or will it be both? I think it will be Tom. Because... I think they have more talent on that team. You know, that wide receiver core, I think, uh, obviously, that defense is supposed to be really good. I think they will. But let me ask you this question. Um, The focus has been on Brady, has been on those injuries. But what about Todd Bowles? Like, he was thrown into this towards the, you know, very late into this. Like, is there something on that end? I think I'm not sure what you mean by is there something. I think he is 
I, I do not think he has the authority to tell Tom Brady he can't take 11 days off from training camp and to tell Tom Brady he can't go to a wedding on a Friday night and meet the team in uh, Pittsburgh on Saturday. And I will tell you, Marcus Spears played for Bowles in Dallas. Bowles was one of the defensive coaches when Marcus was there. And Marcus said on Get Up This Morning, I obviously can't independently verify this, but Marcus said in no uncertain terms this morning, he, he said, I promise you Todd Bowles hates this. I promise you Todd Bowles was not okay with Brady taking 11 days off, and I promise you he wasn't okay with this. But some things are bigger than that. So Bowles doesn't have anywhere near the clout as a coach. Belichick could tell Brady what to do. I'm not sure how many other coaches have that level of clout. Tomlin? Andy Reid? Maybe Pete Carroll? Is that it? Like, what other coaches? And Because this is Tom freaking Brady. For all the talk about, well, you know, he, he went away and then he came back. Should they be? The alternative was that their quarterback is Blaine Gabbert. Right? So, I mean, if you're the Bucks, you'll put up with a lot of things in the effort to try and win. And this is the Bucks. The Bucks were nothing before Tom Brady arrived. I mean, right. they, were, they, were, they were literally the losingest franchise in the history of pro football. So I'm willing to bet you, or at least I would guess, that Tom Brady didn't even ask Todd Bowles. I'm guessing he asked the owner. Right. That, that's the relationship. That's the point. So I think Bowles has, I hate to say it this way, but I think he has next to nothing to do with that. And then I, I agree that the answer is Brady, though, because I just think he has more to work with. Like, their problems, I think, are surmountable. I don't think Rodgers' problems are surmountable, which is I think his offense stinks. I don't think the offensive line is that good, and they have no receivers. Trading away Devontae Adams was the end of their season. We continue in 15 seconds. I said baseball has a bigger problem than the weather. Now, again, I, I'm, I'm very aware that there are people who don't listen to the show regularly, so I feel a need to posit this before I go into this. We are not a show that bashes baseball. We love baseball on this sport, uh, on this show, excuse me. We respect the sport, and we don't just sit here talking about what the problems are. We spent five, six, seven minutes earlier today talking about whether the rain out helped the Yankees or helped the Guardians and what does it mean for this and what does it mean for that and the bullpens. We talk about the sport like it's a sport as opposed to a lot of other talk shows that talk about the sport exclusively uh, over is this good for baseball or bad for baseball because the general expertise in the sport is not strong enough for people to dive more deeply than that into it. That's not us. That said, here's my one concern with the playoff format. And it's not new, but it was kind of magnified, okay? And I'm going to take you sort of, I'm going to take you there in sort of a roundabout way. So I saw these quotes from Jim Beheim. Yes, Jim Beheim, the legendary Hall of Fame basketball coach at, um, at Syracuse over the weekend. And he was talking, and he said that the barometer of a conference's success is its record in the NCAA tournament. He said, quote, you can say what you want about the Big Ten, they sucked in the tournament. Now, I know you have the sound up there. It's 31 seconds. Is it worth hearing all of it? Nuno, you tell me. Because really, the crux of it is just that. It's a very simple sentence. You can say what you want, but the barometer is the NCAA tournament. That's all that matters. So I, that caught my eye because I'm a Big Ten fan. I'm a Big Ten alum, and I pay attention to the Big Ten. And the Big Ten was by far the best conference in college basketball last year. And then everybody got wiped out in the tournament. And the problem I have with that, I've said many times, the NCAA tournament is two things at once. It is the best 
thing we do in American sports. For those three weeks, it is epic. The Sheets of Integrity, all the games, that Thursday, that Friday, all it's phenomenal. Love it. Love the NCAA tournament just like you do. It is also a terrible way to decide a champion. What they're deciding is the champion of the NCAA tournament. And then we decide that's the national champion. They're the team that won the championship of the season. But it's a terrible way to do that. Right? So let's just take right now. I saw yesterday the AP put in North Carolina is the number one preseason number one team. Let's say North Carolina goes 33-0 and this year. And they get into the NCAA tournament. And they're playing on a neutral site. Their first game, they will get a game they absolutely should win. And in their second game, they will get a team that's either an 8 or a 9 seed, a team that had the 30th or, 30th or 33rd, something like that, best season in the country. And that team has the exact same chance to win the championship that Carolina does. No advantage is given. The regular season is literally meaningless. It's the definition of meaningless. And that never sits right with me. This doesn't feel right. Because you get fluky champions. And there's something about the sports fan in me that doesn't like that. So baseball has done the right thing by expanding their playoffs. We do not live in a world anymore where you can just have the American League champ and the National League champ playing out, you know, just who wins the regular season pennant. They play for the championship, which for those who don't know is the way baseball did this for what remains to this point, the majority of our history. We don't live in that world anymore. I get it. I'm not arguing for it. I'm not even saying what they've done is wrong. But what I'm saying is this doesn't sit well with me. In the same way that I'm just going to put names in here. Please do not think I'm insulting any individual program. If Creighton beats North Carolina in the second round of the NCAA tournament, Creighton is 22-9. and They're the runner-up in their conference, and they're a really good team. And they beat Carolina, and they go to the Sweet 16, and Carolina does not. Who had a better year? Who had a better year? I ask you, because what Jim Beheim is telling you is, by that standard of measure, Creighton had a better year. Then what are we worried about all these other games for? If you're going to tell me the only ones we matter, the only ones we care about, the only ones we count are the ones that we play in March, why am I watching the one you're playing in December? I'm asking that to Jim, who, to be clear, I like. You've heard him on this show many times. I love Beheim. You know, he's... He says things I disagree with sometimes, and here's one of them. I'm dis- I'm, I am respectfully, or I'm not even disagreeing, because I think every fan probably thinks the same way. But the point is, is that a good setup? Is that a good system? Is that the way you want this thing to be decided? So let me ask you a question. The L.A. Dodgers won 24 more games this year than the Philadelphia Phillies did. 24 more games in a 162-game season. I should have done the math on that uh, before we came on the air here. How much, what, by what percentage is that better? What is 24 out of a 162-game season? It's more than 10%, right? I mean, it's, they won 24 more games. So the Dodgers' win percentage was 685. The Phillies was 537. So it's 150 percentage points better <laughs> than what the Phillies did. The Phillies won three games in October— And the Dodgers only won one of them. This week, we just decided the Phillies had a better year than the Dodgers. Now, that, of course, makes sense. I get it. All sports have long since become about championships, postseason. I understand all that. Please don't think I don't get this. But what I'm asking is, is anyone troubled by that? There feels like there's a little bit of a fluky nature now to the sport that used to be the least fluky. 
which is to say we could easily have a World Series of the Phillies against the Guardians, easily. And this is no disrespect to either of those teams. The Guardians, I think, have a chance to be great. All you ever hear is Bob Costas telling you they have 17 players who made their major league debuts this year, and I think they have some ridiculous number of rookies. They're going to be really good, and their manager is elite. They're a terrific team. But how many games did they win this year? And the Astros won how many? So the Astros won 106. Cleveland won 92. 92. 92. So they won 14 more games. And if the Guardians beat the Phillies in the World Series, it'll be wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Well, That's a bad example because the Cleveland then Indians haven't won the World Series since the 50s. So I understand that. That will be the call. If the Phillies beat the Guardians in the World Series, you should celebrate. I'm not taking anything away from it. I'm merely asking the question. Are you, as one who loves the sport, in any way troubled by what could only be described as fluky? It would be like... In the NBA, and this is the best thing about the NBA playoffs, there are no flukes. you got to win a best-of-seven series. It would be like if last year in the NBA, um, Minnesota had beaten Cleveland. Uh, I, I don't want to keep sound like I'm dumping on Cleveland. <laughs> who, who finished sixth last year? I don't even remember anymore. Wasn't that? Well, Brooklyn was. Uh, uh, no, they were in the play-in. Brooklyn was in the play-in. Whoever. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. If that's the championship, is that what we want? Because it's the same thing. Do you have an issue with it? I don't. And the reason I don't have an issue with it is because this is not a problem, if we want to even call it that, that is just isolated to baseball. For some reason, it seems that we just like to magnify this when it happens in baseball. I did the research. So baseball is wild card era, meaning more than two teams from each league that make the postseason. Dates to 1995. There have only been four times since 1995 where the number one seed, the best team from each league, reached the World Series. It has happened four times. Four times that both of them got there. That each got there. What I have in front both. of me... When you say, just make sure we, that, that one versus one. Correct. Like got in 2020, it. the Rays had the best record in the American League, the Dodgers and the National League. They met in the World so Series. So four times since 95. What I have here is a list of all the other times it happened in the other three major sports, and you're going to guess. Okay. So, so in the same number of years. Correct. Since 1995, for uniformity's sake. I, I'm going to... Okay, in hockey, I haven't a clue. So, so you're just going to tell me how many times it's happened. It's only happened once. It's happened only one time in hockey since okay. 1995. In the NBA, I'm going to guess it will happen more frequently for the reasons I'm pointing out. But the, the distance between one and two is not necessarily the same as the distance between one and seven. So I'm going to say in the NBA, clearly the way you're setting this up, it's not going to be markedly more than four. So I'm going to say it's the same and it's four. Six times. Okay, so it NBA. is more. At least it is, it is somewhat more. Mm-hmm. Uh, those have been the Bulls, 95. It wouldn't, it wouldn't incorporate the first three-peat. It would incorporate the second. I have the years. It, was a 20- it would be the Bulls in Seattle, I think, in 96 would have both been the one seeds. Mm-hmm. We have a Bulls-Jazz year, a, let's see here, a Lakers-Pacers year, the Lakers-Celtics, and the Warriors-Cavs in 2016 okay, most so recently. six times. All right, and then in the, what, what sport am I forgetting? Oh, football. The NFL. In the NFL... The one seed in the AFC versus the one seed in the NFC in that time, about the same? Five times. Five times. So, so what you're saying is baseball, it's not much less. It's only slightly, slightly less. I think it's just illustrative of the, t- the tenor of the conversation. Like I think baseball, for some reason, is the sport for which we like to point out the anecdotal problem if we want to call it that, but we don't do it otherwise. Okay, but, but that's why I preface this by saying I'm not here to, to point out problems in baseball. Here's what I am saying. 
they're the sport that didn't have that. Mm. Like for the, I'm still old enough. Like if you're your age, do you remember anything that happened before 1995? I do not. I do. That's the point. I do. So I remember a time when there was nothing fluky that could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. So in my youth, there were two divisions in each league. I don't remember. I was I was born in 1967. Uh, the, the, they split it up into two divisions in each league in '69. So I obviously don't remember anything before that. But I do. I, I fell in love with baseball in the '70s. In the '70s, there was an American League East, a National League East, and an American League West, and National West, and that's it. And the champions of each league would play each other, and that would be this. It would start with the CS. It went right to the yeah. ALCS, NLCS. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing fluky that could possibly happen. When they expand it to the wild card, even that, just slightly watering it down, but, but still also making it better. They made it more important to win the division. Uh, they didn't like just the one wild card. Do you add a second one in a wild card game, make a greater disadvantage, make more emphasis on winning the division? I like it. Now, all of a sudden, we've added another layer to all of this. So all of a sudden, we got teams in there that didn't have nearly the same season that some of the big teams did. And I'm merely pointing out that that historically has never been the case with this sport. Then answer this question. What to you is more important? The integrity of the postseason, meaning getting a true champion, the best team, or the integrity of the regular season. Because baseball expanding its postseason made September a thrill for many fan bases when if it had two teams in each league that got through, that would have obviously not been the case. You're 100% right. The answer is what you're getting at, which is that this way is better. It's better. If you still had the old way which is to say if only the Astros and the Dodgers had qualified for the postseason this year, then sometime in the middle of May, people in some cities would have stopped watching. And by the middle of August, people in most cities would have stopped watching. The Phillies fired their manager and are in the NLCS. Right. What's the last time that happened? Was Jack McKeon and Bob Lemon twice? Uh, Jack McKeon right? in 03. I don't remember the Lemon, though, but that, I, that does sound Well, right. Lemon was the Yankees. I remember it. Okay. Lemon, Lemon got, Billy Martin got fired in 1978. That, that's the year of the Bucky Dent home run. Billy Martin got fired, which he did by the Yankees like every other year. And Bob Lemon took over. That was the year the Yankees were 14 games behind the Red Sox and came all the way back, caught them, tied them, won the play-in game in... Um, and at Fenway with the the Bucky Dent home run, and then won the World Series. I I, I believe the last manager, the last team to change managers during the season and win the World Series was the Marlins with McKeon in '03. Before that was Bob Lemon and the Yankees in '78. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. Okay, so there you go. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, so that's my point. So I hope what that just illustrated is that I love this stuff. I I, I live in this stuff as much as anything. People suggest that while I cover so much football, well, th- th- that's where the money is. I mean, at this point, that's what more, far more people are interested in in America. So that's what I do for a living. My favorite sport is golf. I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're going to do two hours of golf on Get Up in the morning because I'd like other people to be interested, too. It's not only a matter of what is interesting to me. And so I hope it is. A, did this sound, Nuno, did this sound like I was criticizing baseball for this. What they've done is right. What they've done is gotten it right. I'm merely pointing out what concerns me. I don't want this to become like the NCAA tournament, where all of a sudden you got a team that just gets hot and a team that had a very, very mediocre season winds up being the quote-unquote national champion. Is what I'm saying, does it make any sense to you, Nuno? It does, uh, but that's why I think the MLB will go to a seven-game series, right? Everything is – got to remember that there was the lockout, whatever, so we missed – you know, the season started a little later, so – 
everything has been condensed. So this series will probably go to seven. So you probably see less of this. And unfortunately, we don't have the time. But I know Russo was on first take just yelling about, hey, leave this alone. Don't change it. Um, you know, this isn't the NCAA tournament. You know, you lost in terms of anyone complaining about the fact that these the better teams have lost. Yeah, look, and Chris, and by the way, happy birthday, Chris. Uh, it's his, today's his birthday, I'm told, right? 63 years mm-hmm. old. So happy birthday to Chris Russo. I'm not complaining. This is better than the alternative. Um, I, your, your numbers are very well taken, Hembo, because if it's only happened in the other sports that little, that few times. Now, look, football, they've watered themselves down, too. Mm-hmm. we got all these freaking teams in the playoffs that don't belong in the playoffs. That first weekend of the playoffs was mostly brutal. Right, I mean, some of the games were just terrible because there were teams. You know, there were a few classics. Dallas and San Francisco saved everything, but you got teams in there that don't necessarily belong. So, all right, we'll see. Anyway, there are so many podcasts right now. It takes a team of people to bring them together. Whether you're hiring for a podcast or for your growing business, one place makes it easy, and that place is ZipRecruiter. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com/greeny. I didn't get to my bathroom story. Which, if you know me, you know there was no greater priority than the bathroom. So I regret that. But we will definitely have time to do it tomorrow. We will also have complete coverage of, you know, Game 5 today in the Bronx. And we turn the page to the next weekend in the NFL. So it's going to be great. We hope you see you here, same time, same place, on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or... Watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcast.